KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. When Brad Martin goes into work, there's a very real possibility his boss could ask to set him on fire. They want you to stay on fire for a long time. And, you know, I'm not super well versed in it. I've done a lot on my shows, but I haven't been in that many burns. So they're just things that you're unfamiliar with. But he'll do it anyway, because he's a stuntman. Hi, I'm Beth Accomando, and today, Cinema Junkie does a crew call, stunt performers edition. Comic-Con just wrapped up another virtual edition, and I'll be wrapping up July's theme of celebrating pop culture by highlighting Brad Martin and Mickey Fashionello, who've both worked on the wildly successful Marvel franchise. We'll find out how you can become a stunt person and what the job entails, and put names to those unsung heroes and heroines. But before we get to their interviews, I need to take a quick break. And I have my friend, Fernando J. Huerto, with the latest Share Your Addiction. He's a stuntman currently working in Beijing on a show for a theme park that's opening soon. So, Jay, what's your addiction? Hi, I'm Fernando J. Huerto, and I'm addicted to doing movie stunts. I like to compare movie stunts to when I was a little kid, I would play superheroes and pretend fight with my friends at the playground. Well, I'm essentially doing that now as an adult, but I'm getting paid for it and I get to be on cool looking sets. Uh, with stunt work, I specifically love doing fight choreography. Um, I would watch my heroes, Jackie Chan, Donnie Yen, and Bruce Lee, and try to figure out what they're doing. And I try to uh, come up with my own style uh, using the techniques I learned from, from watching them. Because it's just like a puzzle. You're just trying to put together a really exciting um, action scene for the audience using uh, different styles of uh, fight choreography and different styles of martial arts. Also, stunt work and fight choreography, it keeps me active and also it helps me stay creative. Jay kicks ass and I'll be right back with another stunt person who kicks ass, Brad Martin. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. Welcome back to Cinema Junkie's Crew Call, Stunt Performers Edition. I speak with stunt coordinator and stunt performer Brad Martin, who took a break from his busy schedule shooting Dungeons and Dragons in Ireland to talk about what his job entails. I've always admired and respected what stunt people do, and I urge you to check out my earlier podcast with stuntman-turned-director Chad Stahelski, who raised the bar on action with his John Wick films. Stuntmen have occasionally been the focus of movies, whether it's Richard Rush's trippy what's real, what's an illusion romp the stuntman, or the raucous portrait of Australian stuntman Grant Page in Brian Trenchard Smith's Stunt Rock. But perhaps the best-known film about stuntmen is the one made by stuntman-turned-director Hal Needham, Hooper. 
You can hit him, kick him, generally abuse him, set him on fire, we'll abuse him. Heaven knows he won't hold a grudge. That Burt Reynolds action film might not have been the most realistic portrait of the stunt business. But it had fun satirizing a director's lack of respect for what stunt people do. As you remember, it's a giant earthquake, you know, with fires, explosions, buildings falling everywhere, chaos, terror, and you'll be driving through it. That 1978 film inspired the Lee Majors TV show, The Fall Guy. This is the story of one of America's great unsung heroes. I mean, you've seen him, but you never knew who he was. You've cheered for him and cried for him. Women have wanted to die for him. But did he ever get any credit? Or the girl? No. He was what we call a stuntman. And the reason I'm talking so fondly about him is, well, because it's me. Brad Martin grew up in the 80s watching The Fall Guy and was inspired by what the job could entail. I might fall from a tall building. I might roll a brand new car. Cause I'm the unknown stuntman that made record such a star. I just remembered that that was a career that I had heard of when I was growing up and I was like, well, wait a second, that's something that sounds perfect for me. And it was. Brad is now a stuntman, stunt coordinator, and second unit director with credits on The Matrix Reloaded, Live Free and Die Hard, Tropic Thunder, Batman v Superman, and TV's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I was curious about how someone can actually become a stunt performer. I mean, is there a school you can attend to learn how to get set on fire? Or do you have to find a mentor and do a kind of apprenticeship? Brad offered his journey as a good template for how to become a stuntman. Up until like the 80s, it was a very, very tight-knit business. and It was really hard to get in as an outsider. So I moved down to L.A. in 93, and I just started asking people questions, started finding out, you know, who is a stuntman, how to become a stuntman, where do people train? I started by finding gyms where stuntmen worked out. I met a couple stunt people, found out about the art of hustling, which is not what you do in Vegas. It's more like, it's a, it used to be going out to movie sets and meeting stunt coordinators and giving them your resume and introducing yourself. And after you know a couple of years and maybe a reel, a video reel of showing your skills, somebody might give you, or an opportunity for an audition, you might get a shot at working on a, on a movie. My first shots came through auditions, and then my first like real jobs came through hustling and corresponding with stunt coordinators that had hired me in the past, and just being diligent and, and keeping in touch with them, and you know, and extending my interest in wanting to be an apprentice and, and, and an understudy and learning more about stunts. And finally, there was a man named Conrad Palmisano who hired me originally through an audition to be Robin, the Robin Double in Batman Forever. Riddler and Two-Face can make a pretty lethal combination. Figured you could use a hand. Two against two are better odds. And so I kept in touch with him over the, over the next year and a half or so. And then he hired me to be the stunt double for the lead in the movie The Peacemaker, which happened to be George Clooney. Air Force 53762. Those weapons could be going to Chesna or Georgia. We repeat, put your weapons on hold. It was the snowball effect. I followed George through his career and then just started um, getting my name around there that way. 
So for a stunt coordinator, I know that there's no such thing as a typical day on a movie set, but what might a day for you involve or, or what kind of things do you have to do on a regular basis on a film shoot? Well, yeah, actually, yeah, the funny thing is there is no regular day on a, on a movie set. Every single day is different. And as far as generalities, you know, there's often lots of fights and falls and crashes and things like that. So all in all, in a general idea, you have to, or me as a stunt coordinator, needs to hire the personnel, needs to design the action, needs to correspond with the directors and make sure I'm putting their vision on film and, and creating what they want to see and choreographing the top quality action. Um, just basically anything you see that has to do with action in a movie, I would be involved with or a stunt coordinator would be involved with. And what kind of stunts do you most look forward to and which ones kind of give you, I don't know, the most anxiety or present the most challenges? As a stunt man, the things that would give me the most anxiety were the, the bigger stunts, the big car wrecks, precision-based high falls, and things that I haven't done that often, um, like say for instance, like hoodless fire burns and things like that, 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 you know, they want you to stay on fire for a long time. And, you know, I'm not super well versed in it. I've done a lot on my shows, but I haven't been in that many burns. So they're just things that you're unfamiliar with or just not super comfortable with. As far as anxiety for stunt coordinating, when you get with a director that doesn't really know what they want and you're trying to choreograph something for them and you're trying to please them and they're not giving you all the information that you need and you, it's time for you to come up with the goods. Um, and so um, when I'm unsure about that, you know, it gives me anxiety. I just want to make sure that I'm proving myself and make sure that I'm coming up with the goods for everybody. And which stuff do you actually enjoy and really look forward to doing? Well, I mean, just because something gives me anxiety doesn't mean that I don't enjoy it. But like something that, that I'm super comfortable with, like say for instance, fights and, and physical chase sequences, like something that I'm really comfortable with. I love designing that stuff. I love conceiving of it from the beginning of a script and, and breaking it down from the script to a set, figuring out the shots and figuring out what exactly the choreography is with everything. That's just something that I excel most in and that's what I enjoy doing the most. I'm a huge fan of Hong Kong action films, and I know that in Hong Kong, especially during their heyday, like back in the 80s, you know, stunt choreographers and stunt people, I mean, they, they were very much integrated into the process of making the film and, you know, played a very pivotal role in how all that played out. Today, what is it like for you creating action choreography? Are you involved from very early on? Do you come in, you know, later in the process? Are you there like when they're working on the script? How does that work for you now? Okay, so talking about Hong Kong action, take like Jackie Chan, for instance, or Wu Ping, or those kind of those guys. They don't necessarily have a long time ahead of time to conceive of action ideas and then choreograph them. Jackie, for instance, will walk onto a set and have a look at it and take a month shooting a two minute fight scene and he'll sit there for a day sometimes. You know, I haven't worked with him, but I've, you know, I've heard the stories. Sit there, you know, smoke a cigarette, take a nap, wait to get inspired. And everybody just sits around and waits for him to find these moments of genius. Yes. 
from the the American filmmaking standpoint, we don't have that luxury. So we try to choreograph things ahead of time. On this movie in particular, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, we didn't get a lot of prep. I only had a few weeks of prep. So I'm kind of in that realm of what Jackie and, and Wu Ping would do. So I'm just trying to figure it out on, you know, not necessarily on the day, but with little notice here. I think necessity spawns creativity is, is kind of my phrase that I like to go to all the time. And it just, I work well under pressure and I work well, um, my creative juices flow under those moments right there. In the movies, as a stunt coordinator, or second unit director, you may come into these productions and they may have something called a previs, which is like basically a computer cartoon of the action scenes that they're gonna be doing in the movie. Those have been designed by the director and some computer people without the guidance of an action professional. So now in the future, what I'm hoping to do is uh, coming in at the very beginning, early stages with these people and helping them design these previses and helping them design the scripts and helping them design the sets and making everything from early on stunt friendly and more on the cutting edge and helping them develop more cutting edge action from an action professional, maybe even build up the level of what's possible Now, you've talked about a lot of things that stunt people can do, driving, being set on fire, fights, falling. So how does a stunt person kind of prepare for all this? Do you try to get train yourself in a real diverse array of things, or do you try to specialize? It seems like there's so much you can be asked to do. Well, I would say to be a good stuntman, you have to be well-versed in almost in anything you can. So when I became a stuntman, I, I trained everything, cars, motorcycles, falls, trampoline, gymnastics. Uh, I was a martial artist growing up. A lot of the other stuff you can't necessarily train for. You just have to be tough and learn how to, you know, learn how to save yourself when you're falling and crashing. As a stunt coordinator and to be a good stunt coordinator, in my opinion, you have to have been a good stuntman. And what kind of things do you look to to help become better at that? I know that I've had a chance to interview Jackie Chan and he talked about how, you know, it was people like Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd and even Gene Kelly who like really kind of inspired him in, in the way he was setting up shots and, and shooting things. Yeah, well, that's so funny because I know Jackie was inspired by them. And I've watched lots of Harold Lloyd and lots of Charlie Chaplin. And, and because Jackie took all of that to the next level, I was inspired by Jackie. Like I grew up with uh, Chad Stahelski, who is the uh, director of the John Wick movies. He and I trained with each other and came up to the business together. And he and I would just sit on our couch every night for years. I know every move and every single Jackie Chan fight and every stunt that he's done because, yeah, he was inspiration to, to both of us. Now, you mentioned you were doubling George Clooney in Batman and Robin back in the 90s, and you've also worked on Dawn of Justice, which is a much more recent DC comic book superhero film. In that time frame, it seems like the kind of action and stunts that are being asked of people in those films has changed considerably. So what kind of things have you seen change, and, and how do you feel about those changes? 
Well, the evolution of stunts is is very interesting. In some ways, it's a lot better. Like, for instance, I would say the fight scenes right now are way more technical. And um, you need to be a way better performer to be in those fights. However, the use of CG, computer graphics, in, in some respects, I think kind of override the action at times. And if the filmmaker is not well-versed in being able to utilize the CG in a good way, it may just take away from the action. You've worked on action comedies as well. Tropic Thunder is one of my favorites. Come on, Damien, come on. Are we cutting? No, no, still rolling. Are we cutting, sir? No, no, we're not cutting, we're still rolling. Damien, what's the deal, dude? Are we gonna blow this tree line or what? And I'm just curious, is there a difference to you when you're creating fight choreography or working as a stunt person between doing something that's an action comedy and something that's action that's serious, or is the process pretty much the same? I've really come to terms with that on this movie, directing Dungeons and Dragons, because it's a PG-13 movie, and it is a bit uh, tongue-in-cheek at times. And on a serious movie, uh, like, say, like John Wick. Like, you want that stuff to look completely real. You want it to be super violent. That's what that's all about. Like, take the Underworld franchise, for instance. Like, I'm really a stickler with how the wire work is. I take on Jackie Chan's philosophy, which is you don't want people to really know that it's a wire gag. You want to walk away and go, wow, did that really happen or did that not, did that not happen? But you do a movie like the other guys or Tropic Thunder. Did anyone read the script? This is the ambush. Uh, this feels pretty real. Exactly. Let's use it. If you're going to do something that's grotesque, you want it to be so over the top it's comedic. So I would say that there's absolutely a tone of action with every genre of movie. And in case people don't understand what wire work or wire gags are, what is, I mean, this is something that Hong Kong films do a lot of, but explain to people a little bit what that entails. Like you being a fan of the Jackie Chan genre and the, and the Hong Kong movies and cinema, they started this whole movement of wire work. And wire work is basically a wire on a person in a harness and that would connect up to a pulley and go over to another pulley. And on the other line, there'd be a bigger rope and there'd be people pulling on it that would lift the person up in the air or pull them across the floor or descend them down to the ground and uh, make them do supernatural moves. So it started basically over there. And then like Chad and I and a bunch of our buddies, we saw all of that happen and we knew that that was the evolution of stunts. So we took that and Americanized it and uh, made it a little bit more realistic, more brutal, more violent. And then there's other things of wire work as well, which wouldn't necessarily be considered like wire work, like ratchets. A ratchet is uh, like a pneumatic ram where it's like a piston hooked up to a wire and you hit a button and that button, instead of people pulling on the line, ratchets a person across the floor, you know, through the air and crashes into something like that. That's when you see people just like fly across a room after they get punched or something or... Exactly, but if you see the guy run up the wall and grab this banister and then flip up onto the next, you know, landing, that's that's more of the technical wire work that, that I like to do. Take for instance, like on Die Hard. Hey, are you really trying to escape? 
So the director of Die Hard was Len Wiseman, and he directed the Underworld movies. And the first Underworld, he brought me on because he wanted to bring an American team with him to Budapest to do Hong Kong wire work. So fast forward to Die Hard. I'd like to think that a lot of that wire work is fairly realistic. Like for instance, we did a shot where Bruce throws a fire extinguisher at a guy and it blows him out the window. Not that, you know, the action of blowing somebody out the window with a fire extinguisher is real, but the fall itself, going out the window, we took him all the way out the window until he actually touched the hood of the car with force. And you can see the, the hood of the car bounce. So like something like that, I would say we're pushing the envelope and we're afforded the time to make sure that we can create new action that hasn't been seen before. And do you think there are any misconceptions out there that filmgoers have that you'd like to correct? Or is there something about what you do that you would like audiences to know and appreciate? The one thing that I think people don't understand, and if you walk away from a movie and you go, oh yeah, the action sucked. When you get a solid action scene or a solid fight scene, that's when everything comes together and everybody's working well together. But more often than not, it doesn't always happen. And more often than not, like for instance, the director may not completely believe in the stunt coordinator and his vision, and that's the person that's supposed to bring the new hot ideas to the table. So they might think that they like something better, and, it, and at, the, at the end of the day, it may be better, and at the end of the day, it may be worse. How much time you have to film a fight scene? And if you don't have enough time, or an action scene, and if you don't have enough time to film it, you may have to compromise a bit of quality. If you um, don't have enough time to rehearse it, you may have to compromise a bit of quality. If you don't have the props you needed, if you didn't know what the set was like before you went in there, you may not be able to do a Jackie Chan type fight. You know, everybody back in the back in the late 90s, early 2000s, everybody wanted Matrix. Yeah, well, on Matrix, Keanu trained for eight months before they even went to camera. And then we trained all through filming as well. And then he did John Wick and trained even more. So you want John Wick, you want Matrix, you want, I mean, Keanu's a great example. That guy's a workhorse, he works his butt off. I know Kung Fu. Show me. At the end of the day, that's what everybody wants to see is a star doing amazing things. So I guess the message I would like to leave is that just because something isn't great doesn't mean that it didn't have the potential of being great. There's just so many factors that can fall through the, the cracks to turn something that had huge potential into something that wasn't necessarily great. If you want to see Brad Martin raising the bar on action as a stunt coordinator, check out Live Free and Die Hard or Underworld Awakenings. And if you want to see him in action doubling famous actors, then look for him as Spidey in Spider-Man 2, doubling for Ben Affleck in the bar scene in Daredevil, and being Agent Smith's doppelganger in the Matrix films. I need to take one last break, and then I'll speak with stuntwoman Mickey Fashionello, whose work is on display in the new Black Widow film. One thing's for sure. I'm done running from my past. And to take us into this break, I have teacher, filmmaker, and pro wrestler Keith Hammond, who's got a cold turkey that stunt people may appreciate. 
My name is Keith Hammond, and the thing that needs to stop cold turkey is the lack of recognition for stunt coordinators and stunt performers on the Oscar level. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm very excited. I'm glad that the Emmys have finally woken up and started to give those awards. But the fact that these coordinators who are just masters of timing and making the stunts as safe as possible. The performers who you can only make these things so safe and sometimes are risking definitely injury, if not their lives for these stunts. And so with that, I would just say that whether it's car scenes or fights, comedy, you got to give the Oscars their due because it's all amazing. It's all difficult and it all is definitely worth Oscar consideration. Thanks, Keith. I'll be right back with my interview with Mickey Fashionello. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. Welcome back to Cinema Junkie's Crew Call, Stunt Performers Edition. There's a new documentary out called Stunt Women, The Untold Hollywood Story, and it explores the particular challenges of being a stunt woman in Hollywood. Here's the trailer. I wanted to be respected, and I didn't want to be respected for a girl. Action! I didn't have amazing stunt women, my movies just wouldn't work. It was Matrix 2, doubling Trinity. When they say rolling and action, you just do superhuman things. This is bigger than just, oh, she's the right size, the wig fits her head. Back in the very, very beginning, women were doing these amazing stunts. They fought so hard for us to get here that now we don't have that luxury of not being able to do something. Debbie does most of my driving in Fast and Furious. I thought you do action movies and you get to have all the fun, and then I realized, no, Debbie has all the fun. <laughs> Mickey Fashionello was one of the stunt women featured in that film. She's worked in the industry less than a decade, but has already demonstrated her versatility in terms of dealing with the ever-changing landscape for stunt work. So in addition to doing traditional action and doubling for stars, she's also brought her expertise to the computer realm, doing pre-vis or pre-visualization, which involves visualizing complex action in a movie before filming, as well as motion capture for animation, video games, and movies. She spoke to me from Belfast, where she's shooting a film. I asked her what a typical day on the set might entail for her. Typical day on set definitely starts with a, a nice early call time, depending on like if you're in, let's say, a wig, like a full wig, maybe have to get some like good makeup done. So probably like, let's say your call time's at 7 a.m. So you have to be there um, nice and early. And let's say you're doing some fighting that day, some wire work. So you have to make sure everything's together and that you're nice and stretched, nice and limber, nice and warm. Normally there's like the coordinator, um, second unit director or director gives you a rundown when you get to set of kind of what you're doing. Not only getting yourself ready, but also the actor that you may be doubling. So yeah, long day of getting, you know, maybe beat up a little bit and then probably ending at like 6 p.m. and then you do your rig and you go home. What stunts do you look most forward to doing and which ones tend to be the ones that like 
cause the most anxiety or present the most challenges to you? I really do enjoy the like the screen fighting and I really do enjoy like the wire work as well, specifically like the Hong Kong style, like wires and stuff like that. Yeah, I just I just love fighting. <laughs> So with wire work, you have to really trust the person on the other end because you're a bit of a puppet on a string to a degree where you really have to trust them to be attentive. Yeah, definitely. Trust is one of the most important things um, that we have to build. Depending on the job, you might be working with the same people that you've worked with for three jobs. You know, some teams all work together quite a bit. And then sometimes you you come onto a job. Normally we have, let's say for um, a film, two to four months prep to build the relationship there, which is so, so important because literally our life is in their hands. So trust is super important. You know, if, if I'm going to, you know, jump off the side of a building or if I'm going to do a, even just a flip or something like that. And I know that if something goes wrong or if timing needs to be super specific, that the person on the line or on the button like has my back, literally, it's all about teamwork. Now, there's so much technology being used in films now, and I noticed you've done some mocap work for both films and video games. Can you explain what motion capture is and how that differs or is the same from doing other kinds of stunt work? Yeah, so I've done I've done quite a bit of motion capture work. I've done some stuff for some video games. I did some of the Mortal Kombat games um, and a couple other video games. And then I've also done... Like we've done pre-visual work, but it was motion capture based. Um, and then I've also done on Battle Angel, it was like m- like motion capture, but it was on the actual set, which is quite different. And that's like super fancy, like James Cameron, st- like Avatar style, like crazy stuff. So that was really cool to experience. Generally, you have a suit, which has like tracker markers on there. And there's cameras that are set and calibrated um, once you put the suit on, you got a little cute little hat normally, um, some gloves to track your hands and, and on your shoes as well. And then it, it's got your your body put into the computer basically and it can track your body. And then whether it's, let's say for a video game, for instance, we normally work in like a, a smaller volume at a filming studio specifically for like, let's say it's like for Warner Brothers or something. They have like a specific area that they they do it in. It's nice depending what you're doing. You can sometimes they let you make up your own moves and stuff. It's creatively freeing. So that's quite fun. You mentioned that stunt work can entail a lot of different things. It can be fighting, it can be wire work, it can be jumping, it can be cars, it can be using weapons. So how do you kind of prepare and train? Do you try to be good at all of it? And do you have a particular specialty? Specifically for me, I definitely lean towards the, because I have a martial arts background and uh, acrobatic background. I lean towards like the the fight stuff just because I really enjoy the screen fighting. It used to be where like you did, you know, you should know your own rigging, um, uh, driving, fighting, um, falling, and like a few other skills. But now it's, I think, how the industry has changed. There are more like specialized performers because there's such a high demand for bigger action and just 
extreme everything, but also like it needs to be done quickly as well. Like everything's filmed so quickly now, there's such a demand for it that you have drivers and, you know, fire people, people who do high falls. Um, uh, there's movement specialists as well. So I think you get, you definitely get a different spectrum. Normally you need like two doubles because we have two units running most of the time. And you also need people to rehearse while you're also filming. So that helps. But then sometimes they bring on specialty performers. Let's say I'm doing fighting a lot of wire work and they need someone who can do some like crazy car stuff. And so they bring in uh, someone who's really good at driving as well. It just depends on the job though too. So and. Are there any misconceptions out there about what stunt people do that you would want to address like in the general public? Or is there something about what you do that you think people in general just don't fully appreciate? We are performers and we are actors and we are, you know, part of the the illusion that's that's up there. And yeah, it's all just entertainment and having fun and playing make believe and there are aspects to where we do have to be quite serious and it, it can be not life-threatening but you know sometimes you know if you don't hit your mark something bad could happen so you just you got to be on your mark and you got to do your thing and you know make sure it's right but i think that yeah it's all it's all gravy <laughs> that was mickey fashionello you can admire her work in Black Widow, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and Wonder Woman 1984. add a bonus share your addiction this episode because it's too perfect for the end of our month-long obsession with pop culture. So here's Keith Hammond back to give some props to the people who often take our breath away and make our jaws drop in awe. Hi, my name is Keith Hammond, and my cinema addiction is to good stunt work. To me, there's no higher form of filmmaking than a good stunt. A good stunt is communication from the director with the, with the camera and the stunt performer coming together to create a spectacle that isn't possible in real life. And they can be huge CGI, I don't mind that. They can be with vehicles like the Italian job. It could be a huge fight scene. And I think for me, the one that really brought this home to me was the old boy hallway. Not the one from America, but 2003. Uh, that hallway scene, perfectly done, one take. It is pure cinema magic. Thanks, Keith. And that wraps another edition of KPBS listener-supported Cinema Junkie. Remember to check out the new Geeky Gourmet video where I'll show you how to make edible blood and then how to use it to make a stunt look better. You can find the video and the podcast at kpbs.org slash cinemajunkie. And just like stunt performers have a team to support them, Cinema Junkie has a kick-ass crew that includes podcast coordinator Kinsey Moreland, technical director Rebecca Chacon, and director of sound design Emily Jankowski. And coming up next month, the theme is Bollywood, and I'll be speaking with the podcasters of Movie Wallas to give you a brief history of Bollywood cinema and to provide a must-see viewing list. So till our next film fix, I'm Beth Agamondo, your resident cinema junkie. 
KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.